So to start things off, I want to take you back to when you were a child. Okay? I want you to think of your favorite, favorite, favorite toy when you were little. And I want you to share it quickly with the person that's sitting next to you. Let them know. You know, some of you might be a little embarrassed uh, what your, the toy was. But let them know what was your favorite toy when you were little. So let them know. Everyone should be sharing with someone either in front of you or behind you or next to you. Any interesting toys? I, the green machine. Anything else? Light bright. Jump rope. Sock and bop them. I, okay, I didn't play with that one. Uh, tricycle. Big wheels. Pastor Harold said rocks. No, no, no. G.I. Joe. Oh, no, no. G.I. Joe. What else? What else? Voltron. Okay. Jumping jacks. Oh, playing jacks? Okay, okay. Okay, sounds good. Well, guys, obviously, I brought you way back and a lot of emotions stirred up. I'm going to share with you real quick my favorite. I, I mean, I had a lot of toys growing up, but my absolutely fr favorite one, and I have to say my dad must have been extremely happy it was my favorite because it was one of the cheapest toys <laughs> that if he had to go to the store, he didn't have to spend too much money. But my favorite, favorite toy were... The little plastic army men. The little cheap plastic ones that used to come in the bag, you used to go to the store, you'd probably have around like 50 in them or 25. And sometimes you see them in different corners. And if I close my eyes, I could think very clearly uh, of when I would lay down in my living room and set them up. I would set them up, set them up like around 50 or 100 on one side, and then set up on the other side. I would set it up another 50 and 100. And literally, I would play out an entire movie where it would be a battle. And then, you know, like when my mom or my dad would walk through the living room, I'll be upset if she kicks a couple down. It's like, why? Why are you knocking down my soldiers? But I would love to play and have them do a war and a battle. And I would do that all the time. Any of you had those? All right, all right, some of you. All right, they, definitely that was a big thing. But little did I know, as a little kid, I was playing with these toy plastic soldiers and having a battle in my living room. And little did I know that I was actually in a battle as well. I was in a spiritual battle at that moment and throughout my entire life, but I didn't realize it. I want to even, before I share a story, I want to read to you in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. And if you missed last week's um, teaching, Eddie kicked off the series pretty much talking about the armor of God and how we're in a battle. And if you missed that teaching, definitely check it out. It was a great teaching. So here in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 12, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So right here we see that we're in a battle, whether you like it or not. And you know what's crazy is that some of us, we're in denial. We go through life thinking that we're not in a battle. Like we just go through life thinking that there isn't a spiritual battle happening around us over our lives. And I have a question for you. Do you think the enemy cares how old you are. He doesn't care if you're five years old, two years old, a hundred years old. You're in the battle always, okay? So here, there's some people that are in denial. 
they feel as though really that there's no enemy or it doesn't affect them at all. But then I have to say there's people that take it to the extreme that they're paranoid. They feel like the enemy's behind every bush or rock. It's like, that's the devil. You know, you got to chill, yeah. <laughs> Everything is not the devil or anything like that. That's honestly, sometimes that's your stupid decisions. Like, you know what I mean? Like, your own decisions made that happen in your life. It wasn't the devil. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and when you think about it, it's like sometimes we could take it to the other extreme, how I said, where we think everything is the enemy. But where God wants us to, to, to be is having a healthy view of it. Realizing that we're in a battle to be aware and also to be prayerful and also do everything we can to live in victory. And we're in the middle of a series called Declaring War. We want to draw the line on the sand. And obviously Jesus won the victory. But there's a battle over you right now. The enemy wants to win your heart, take you away from God, keep you away from God at all costs. And you need to declare war saying, you know what, I'm drawing the li line on the sand and I, my life belongs completely to Jesus. And I'm going to be in victory, live in victory. And through this journey, we need to realize that he's given us, God has given us weapons, you could say or strategies, you could say, so that we can live victorious. So back to my childhood about talking about the battle. One of the things that used to happen to me often was many times when I would be sleeping, I would wake up but not be able to move out of my bed, not be able to speak while I'm laying down, not be able to do anything, but yet I knew I was awake. The world says it's like sleep paralysis, like, you know what I mean? Like, kind of like you're in the middle of whatever. But I knew I was wide awake, but I felt like I was pinned to my bed. And I'm talking about being a kid experiencing these things. And I know because many of you might, might know, when I was little and growing up, my parents, before they gave their hearts to the Lord, they used to dabble with things they weren't supposed to dabble with spiritually. They were dabbling with things a little bit with santeria and things that didn't belong in the house or in our lives. So as a little kid, many times in the middle of the night, I would wake up being Pinned, feeling helpless, trying to scream but couldn't hear my voice. And at this moment, I know that there's probably people in this room that you probably experienced that at one moment or another. And that's not something that you, let's say you're going crazy or something that, like, you know what I mean, like it, it was just a dream. In reality, that's part of the spiritual battle and something demonic was happening. And I'll never forget, as a little kid, I would experience it growing up as I would get older. But then something happened when I turned 18 years old. When I turned 18 years old is when I gave my heart to Jesus. I wasn't raised going to church. I didn't know about God, you could say. I didn't have a relationship with God. And all of a sudden, I realized, I was like, wait a second. This is a spiritual battle. Jesus is my Lord, and I need to commit my life to him, build a relationship with him, and in addition to that, I know that there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And I remember as clear as day, one time in that journey when I was 18 years old, I experienced that again. When I was laying down in the bed, feeling pinned to the bed, and in my mind I felt helpless, but then I just thought, there's someone that could rescue. There's someone that's all-powerful. There's someone that I could call to and run because, to because he's my shelter. There's someone that the enemy trembles when he hears his name. And I remember even laying down, and I just said, Jesus! And I screamed it out as loud as I can. And the moment I screamed it out, I sensed the release immediately. 
And once I had victory that night, it never happened again. Because I all of a sudden realized, hey, there's power in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden I realized, hey, I'm not going to be blinded pretending that there's no battle happening. I'm going to walk in victory knowing my Lord and at the same time, too, submitting to his authority. So for you, everyone that's here, maybe you're here, you're sitting here, you never experienced anything like that. That's fine. Thank God. Praise God you didn't. But it doesn't mean that you're not in a battle. It doesn't mean that you're not in a spiritual battle. You are, every single one of us. So even right now, I want you in the count of three to shout out the name of Jesus as loud as you can, okay? Don't be sleeping on me. If you see someone sleeping, dale coquilla o algo, yo, poke them on the side. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Okay, we could do better than that. One, two, three. All right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Check this out. In Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 9, it says this. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue. Whether you like it or not, whether you know God or you don't, whether you want to reject God for all of your life, one day, one day will come where you are going to acknowledge and confess that Jesus is Lord. But of course, it's better to do that while you're living it's better to do that when you have a choice. But one day, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So what we're going to do now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, and in the back of your bulletin, you could write down notes if you want. In the name of Jesus, there is healing. It's going to be, in the name of Jesus, there is healing. And this is the thing. We're going to really dive into it and no, understand that there's power in the name of Jesus. I mean, I could give you so many examples, but I know, I know you know it, but we need to go deeper and really believe it within our hearts as well. In the name of Jesus, there's healing. In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, here in front of the temple, we know that there was a beggar that was disabled there for so many years. And it says this, Then Peter said to him, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So here, you, you see Peter says, In the name of Jesus. It's nothing about, but you could say in Peter's power, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Here you see that there's healing in the name of Jesus. And maybe even right now, this moment in your own life, there might be a giant that you might have when it comes to sickness. And you've believed the whispers of the giant more than the word of God, understanding that God is there. And obviously we realize that we all go through seasons and sometimes we don't get the answers to all the questions that we have. But we should never lose hope or level, never lose faith and always fix our eyes on Jesus and never minimize the power that's in the name of Jesus. So number one is in the name of Jesus, there's healing. Number two, in the name of Jesus, there is victory. Right now, this moment in your life, there could be giants, as I said before, of healing. But these could be other giants that you know that you have, and you feel defeated by them. You feel defeated. You don't feel like you could go past and have victory in that area when you know that God wants you to have victory. But we need to realize in the name of Jesus, there is victory. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, we heard last week um, Eddie talk about the battle with David and Goliath. 
And of course, he had his armor, you could say, David, not Saul's armor. But there was something that David said right in the beginning that we cannot miss at all. David said to the Philistine in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you have come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of, uh, of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. So here, the enemy comes with sword, spear, and javelin, and I don't know what giant you're facing, and they've come with you, maybe not with a physical javelin. If I see someone chasing you with a javelin through Broad Street, I'll be a little concerned too. But maybe it's not a physical javelin and a spear and things like that. But you know you're being chased down. And here David, in facing the giant, he, he clearly says, I've come, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. He knew very well that God had to come before him. And in the name of the Lord Almighty, no giant could stand. And he came directly to the giant. Are you facing the giants in your life in the name of Jesus? Are you facing the giants in your life in the name of the Lord Almighty? Or is the javelin and the spear that they pretty much start tossing towards you have caught your attention so much that you're distracted and you actually think that the giant before you is greater than your God? One of the biggest things that the enemy tries to make us do is to make God small in our eyes. The moment the enemy pretty much convinces you that the giant and the javelin and the spear and the weapons that the enemy have is bigger than your God, you're defeated. You're defeated. The moment you make God too small in your eyes, that's pretty much the moment you got defeated in your own mind, even before a battle even took place. Here in the name of Jesus, there is victory. Number three, in the name of Jesus, there is safety. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. I, I love that verse because there it pretty much says the name of the Lord. Running to the name of Jesus is as if pretty much it's a tower that you pretty much run into and its walls surround you and you're safe. I know when I was little and even when I was 18 and I called out to the name of Jesus, I was running to a strong tower. I was running for safety, wanting to be safe in God's presence from the attack of the enemy. I don't know about you, but right now this moment, you might want safety. You want a strong tower because the enemy is wearing you down. Pretty much the battles in your life or the circumstances that you're going through is taking a toll on you. You don't even know how you're going to get through the next day. You don't even know how you're going to pay for the next bill. You don't even know what's going to happen throughout the week and if you're going to be able to feed your family. You don't even know where you're going to go the next day. You don't even know what job you're going to have. Like, there's so many circumstances that we could have that we feel completely helpless. And we just want safety. And to be able to run to a strong tower. And then here, we clearly see that the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. Have you called out on the name of Jesus? Because this is the thing, how I was telling you, this series is about declaring war. Last week, Eddie talked about the armor of God. This week, I'm talking about the name of Jesus. When have we called out to the name of Jesus in our life, in the middle of these circumstances, in the middle of the battle, the same way how I mentioned before? Number four is this. In the name of Jesus, there is answer to prayer. In John chapter 14, verses 13 to 14, it says this. And Jesus speaking, and I will do whatever you ask. And what? 
Let's just do that again. No sleeping. And I will do whatever you ask so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, something I want to highlight here is you're probably sitting here is like, man, ask anything in your name? You know, that, that Lamborghini in the name of Jesus, that would look nice in my driveway, you know what I mean? You know, or it's like, you know, all of a sudden you could think of so many things to ask in his name. But something that we're going to talk about in a little bit, you're going to realize that to use the name of Jesus, you need to be aligned with him. To have his power activated in your life, you have to be aligned with Jesus. It's not just calling out his name. Now, check this out. Something else Jesus said in the very next chapter, John 15, verse 7, it says this. It's not going to be behind you, but it says, if you, Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done um, for you. So here Jesus makes it clear that if you remain in him and he remains in you, so you're one, okay? If you're one with Jesus, you're not going to be praying for the Lamborghini, okay? You're not. You're going to be praying for lost souls. You're going to be praying for lives being impacted, cities transformed, pretty much seeing people turn their lives around for God. Your prayer life will completely change. And the moment you start praying for things, that are aligned with the heart of God. You ask whatever you wish, and God will give it to you. But you need to have that relationship with him. Remember how Jesus wouldn't do anything that the Father wouldn't do. The same way we shouldn't do anything with Father God and Jesus guiding us and the Holy Spirit commanding us to do. But if we do the things on the heart of God, God will answer so, have we been praying lately? Because you know what? Some of us spend more time worrying than praying. And what in the world has your worry ever done for you? You know what I mean? Like, if, you, if someone here could tell me, be like, yo, Carlos, I want to tell you something. I worried for about 30 hours straight. Yo, straight up, I was worrying, sweating, eating haagen watching Netflix because I was so stressed. You know, I was worrying so much, and everything got resolved because of my worry. You know what I mean? Like, your problems, your situations, your circumstances are not going to be resolved with your worrying. But through your prayer, Things could happen. Change could come. And even if change doesn't come to your circumstances, God could change you in the middle of your circumstances. Because sometimes we want God just to change things the way we want them. And God's looking at us saying, I want to change you. You're not giving me your heart. You're just giving me your problems. You're just giving me those other things. And you know what? All this time I was like, look. All those things that are happening in your life, I'm trying to point you closer to me. So with us, it's like, do we really spend more time worrying? I'll never forget, Jen once told me too. It's like, you know, worrying is like being on a rocking chair. It's like there's a lot of motion, but no movement. Really, there's a lot of motion, but you're not going anywhere. You're still staying there. So for each of us here, we need to trust God and go to him in prayer. But you know what? Even if you know about God, some of us probably feel as though God won't answer a prayer. Some of us feel as though God is not able to answer those prayers. Some of us have limited God and his power in our own heart and mind, and we don't even turn to him in prayer. God wants you to have victory in your life, and victory happens at home in your prayer closet. At home when you pray, that's when you step out into the world, you already have victory in faith because you know you've committed these things to God. So are you praying in the name of Jesus? Or are you trying to resolve things and do things in your own strength and power? Last I checked, we're not 
We don't have power. We don't have, we don't have nothing without Jesus. If you're trying to solve things with your own intellect, power, or influence, or whatever it may be, you're missing out on tapping into the greatest source you can live this life with, which is Jesus. And number five, in the name of Jesus, there is deliverance. In Mark 16, verse 17, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In, the na- in my name, they will drive out demons and there i even shared that story before when i was a little kid i said jesus and even calling out to the name of jesus in faith having a relationship with god i saw god's power as an 18 year old in my bedroom as i was terrified since i was little to even be there and for us we how i said in our lives right now There is a possibility that the enemy is trying to gain ground and gain territory in our own lives. But have we decided to have Jesus be not only the Lord of our lives, but pretty much be the Lord over everything and not allow the enemy to have any ground in our lives? And we're going to talk a little bit about more about that in a second. Number six, in the name of Jesus, there is salvation. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 9, I'm going to read real quick. It says this. It won't be behind you. It says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So the name of Jesus, there's salvation in the name of Jesus. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. It's not just about just saying the name of Jesus. It's confessing that he's the Lord of your life. So many times we pretty much want the benefit, benefits of God without giving God what he wants, which is our heart. And for you to confess that Jesus is Lord means that you're making Jesus the Lord of your life. Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Because this is the thing. There's many fans for God. Many fans. There's even many followers of God, people that follow God. But there's not too many people that are disciples of God. Those that have committed everything and made Jesus the Lord of their life. And what God wants is for us to give him everything and to make him the Lord of your life. If I had to ask you, what are you, what would you say? Are you you just a fan of Jesus? Pretty much whenever you hear anything of Jesus or maybe anything that has to do with Jesus, it's like you you might rah-rah on the sidelines but still do whatever you want. Maybe you're not a fan, but maybe you're a follower. We're like, oh, Carlos, but I do go to church. You know, I do open my Bible once in a while. I'm going to have to dust it off a little bit. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm a follower of Jesus. But are you a disciple? Are you someone that laid down your life and made Jesus the Lord of your life? Because if Jesus is the Lord of your life, here it says, if you confess Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You can't confess Jesus Lord if you're not making him Lord. You know, it, 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 it doesn't say, like, if you're just a fan of Jesus, you'll be a, a saved. You know what I mean? And in reality, I wouldn't even just want to be a follower of Jesus because that's like a little murky water there. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, you might have a one foot in the world and one foot with God. That's not a stable foundation when it comes to your relationship with God. And for some of us, we're satisfied with that. Just to be in the middle, one foot in the world, one foot with God. But it's a very slippery slope. When you least expect it, you could be slipping away more and more away from God. And number seven, the last one I'm going to highlight. Of course, there's so many more. In the name of Jesus, there are signs and wonders. In Acts chapter 4, verse 30, here Peter and John, they're praying. And part of the prayer, they said this, stretch out your hand to heal. 
and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So pretty much in the name of Jesus, there could be signs and wonders. Now, I know many of us, we might wonder, it's like, you know what? How come, like so many times in our lives with everything I mentioned in the name of Jesus, not just the signs and wonders, everything, we wa- might wonder, it's like, how come I'm not experiencing the power of God the way that the scriptures clearly says? I'm going to give you a little example of something different, but you'll understand as I keep going. Has anyone ever used your name without permission? Has anyone ever used your name without permission? Anyone raise your hand? Just, I'm not going to tell you to um, share, but without your permission, many people. Use your name without permission. Something that's happened to me many times is someone sometimes might use my name as a reference, you could say. They're, they put me down in references, but they don't even know me at all. I don't know who they are. They don't come to the church. I have no idea who they are. But they put my name down as a reference. They probably Googled and found my address, put my address, put my telephone number too, and they've called me. From jobs, like employers have called me, other people have called me for other things and stuff, and they legit say, hey, Carlos, uh, do you know so-and-so? They put you down as a reference. They were looking to apply for this, this and that. And I was like, what's their name? So-and-so. I was like, where where do they live? Like, I'm trying to gather information to try to figure out if I know who in the world is this person that's using my name. And then in the end, I was like, yo, I, I didn't say yo to the employer. <laughs> that would be pretty bad. Yo! No, I didn't say yo. I was like, I have no idea who they are. I have no idea who they are. I'm so sorry. I can't answer your questions. I don't know who they are, and I can't vouch for someone that I don't know. I can't recommend someone that I don't know because anyone I recommend means I agree with their actions. I agree with how they're living. I agree with what type of work they would end up doing as well. So if I'm going to give their stamp and their recommendation, I better not just know them, but I also better know that we're aligned, at least in thought of the way that we would perform in this job. And mind you, so many times happen, and they don't ask for permission or anything like that. So here in this room, some of you raised your hand. That's happened to me. Some of you raised your hand. People have used your name, probably went to a location and name dropped, dropped your name for whatever reasons, for whatever it could be. And I wonder if in the same way it could impact us as well when it comes to our relationship with God. And I'm going to read this to you. It's a story from Acts chapter 19, verses 13 um, to 17. Here, this is what's happening. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. Just even pause there at that moment. You could see there, these Jews went around and they tried to invoke the name. It was like, you know, Jesus, like pretty much to try to cast out demons. Continuing, it says, they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Now, right there, real quick, what's a clear sign that you see there? There's no relationship with Jesus. No relationship. It's like I'm calling out someone's name and using this person's name, but yeah, I have no relationship with this person. It's like who Paul preaches about. Look at the disconnect, who Paul preaches about. And then um, it, it continues, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. So here he's trying to use the name of Jesus to the enemy. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest. So these were sons of a Jewish chief priest. So they were religious. 
okay? They were religious. They, you, you could say they knew about God, but there was no relationship at all. There was no relationship with him. And then it, it continues. It says this. We're doing this. Verse 15. One day the evil spirit answered, and here the enemy was answering. Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? So here in this moment, the demon actually speaks out. It's like, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who the heck are you? I have no idea who you are. It's like you're coming here in the name of, you're dropping names. You're using Jesus as a reference. And this is the thing, too. It's like not only is there no relationship, there's no alignment. Remember how I was telling you how important alignment is? Because here we know the, even the enemy recognizes authority. The enemy knows that Jesus has alignment because of who he is with the Father. Paul, I know, he's in alignment doing the stuff of the Father. But I don't know who you are. I have no idea who you are. Then verse 16, it says, Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. He gave them all, he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Acts 19, verses 13 to 17. Three takeaways I want you to take from this. Number one is this. Simply invoking Jesus' name is not enough. Just because you say his name is not enough. The sons of Sceva learned that lesson they were using the name of Jesus. It's not enough because there was no relationship and no alignment to Jesus. So for us, like you might call out on the name of Jesus, but if you don't have a relationship with him, and if you're not aligned doing what God wants you to do, obeying and doing his will, all of a sudden you've cut your resource, you could say. And I don't know about you, I don't want to walk around as a powerless Christian. I don't want to waste my time going through this life, having a shell of Christianity, but denying its power within my heart and life. I'm the type of person, I'm either all in or I'm out. And I've, I've walked long enough with God knowing that the best decision you could ever make in your life is to be all in. Not to be on the fence, not one foot in the world and one foot um, with God. God wants you to be all in because let me tell you, if you have one foot in the world and one foot with God, you're not aligned with God. You're not aligned with God. You're pretty much, you're trying to create your own alignment. You're trying to have a, uh, have a your way Burger King style type of Christianity. You want to pretty much just create your own alignment with God. And God said, no, I'm over here. And it's either you all in or honestly, it's like he'd rather you be hotter. Or, uh, he doesn't want you to be lukewarm. He'd rather you be hot or cold. And I, I know for each of us, we want to be hot, pretty much burning with him, for him. Now, check it out. It says this. Number, well, number two, the second um, takeaway is this. Being religious without having a relationship will leave you powerless. So just because you know about God and you might be religious, if you don't have a relationship, you're not walking in the power that God wants you to walk in. And number three, and I want you to write this down, it says this. The level of spiritual authority that you walk in is a direct reflection of your level of submission to God's authority in your life. I'm going to read that again. The level of spiritual authority that you walk in is a direct reflection to your level of submission to God's authority in your life. So if you want to walk pretty much understanding and in God's authority and having victory over all the giants in your life and having God go before you, you need to realize that it's 
a direct reflection of your relationship with God and pretty much his authority? Have you submitted to him? Have you given God everything? What are you holding back from God? What, what could you ever hold back that's better than what God has for you? What could you hold back? You actually think that those things that we hold back is better than what God has for us? And if you feel as though that that's the case, in so many ways we've been blinded by the enemy. God wants you to walk in spiritual authority. God wants you, when you call out on the name of Jesus, not to be like the sons of Sceva, where they're just calling out the name of Jesus without relationship and alignment with God. When you call out the name of Jesus and you know Jesus, and you talked to Jesus earlier today and you have a relationship with him, and you're aligned doing his will, let me tell you something. There's power in that. The enemy even knows there's power in that. Because even the enemy knows when true authority is being used. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But see real, real quick there how first you have to submit to God. Without submitting to God, you could try to resist the enemy, but you wouldn't have the spiritual authority to send the enemy, you could say, away from your life. Because you need to submit to God, because it's God in you, it's not what you could muster up. I just want to um, read this one more passage. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20, it says this. Jesus had sent the um, 72 disciples out. It says the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and to overcome all of the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So here, Jesus Prima said that he's given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. So in a sense, the enemy shouldn't be trampling over us over our lives. We should be walking in victory and trampling over any evil that would try to bring us down. You know, there's really only two types of people in this room, in this world. Are those that are pretty much bound and those that are free in Jesus. Only two types of people. It has nothing to do with your political party, let's say, Democrat or Republican. It doesn't have to do if you're rich or poor. It doesn't mean if you have a lot or you don't. Two types of people. You're either bound or you're free in Jesus. That's it. How it was even highlight the men that just came from the men's retreat. Here in the back, you saw that there was um, pretty much a jail cell that was highlighted. Men living captives in cycles, pretty much time and time again, falling over the same exact traps that the enemy would bring. But they, in the name of Jesus, took authority over it to have that freedom, to break free from those chains. Right now, this moment, I want you to look at your own life. I don't know what chains the enemy has tried to put over your life. I don't know what giants you might be facing. But in this series, Declaring War, one of the biggest things we need to realize that in the name of Jesus, there's power. But not only is there power in the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus when we submit to his authority, when we decide to have a relationship with God, when we decide to be aligned to him. So right now, if you're in this room and you just know you want to submit wholeheartedly to the authority of God in your life, you don't want to just say that, you know, God is your Savior. You want to say God is your Lord. 
You know, you're not satisfied with being a fan of Jesus or just a follower of Jesus. You want Jesus to be the Lord of your life. With every head bowed, if that's you, I just want you to stand. Stand where you are, declaring, not being ashamed, not worrying about the person next to you or anything like that. You realize that life is too short to play games. Life is too short to run after the things that the enemy dangles in front of us. Life is too short for chasing after worldly things. In this life is about serving our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. So even now as you're standing, I want you to even commit your heart to him. With your own voice, you could whisper under your breath, letting him know that you want to have a relationship with him like never before. You want to chase after his word. You want to chase after time periods of prayer. You want to chase after him through worship. You want to always put him first in everything that you do. That you want to have that relationship with him, hearing his whispers and him hearing yours back to him. But not only a relationship, I want you to whisper to him that you want your life completely aligned with him. It's no longer about your agenda. It's no longer about your dreams, your goals, your visions. It's about what's on God's heart. It's about God's dreams, God's vision, his agenda for the everyday. It's about doing what God wants you to do in your life. And as you walk in that, all of a sudden you'll be remaining in him as he's remaining in you. And then you will ask whatever you wish and you'll see God move in power beyond your greatest dreams. Let him know you want that relationship and that you want to be aligned with him. And when you have that relationship and when you're aligned with him, when you call on the name of Jesus, giants fall. There's no giant that could stand to the name of Jesus. But remember, we need to be aligned and have that relationship with God as well. And you're doing that even now. And as this time period, the altar is open. And if you know you're facing a giant, whatever it is, it could be a giant that has to do with sickness. It could be a giant that has to do with your finances. It could be a giant that has to do with your depression. It could be a giant that has to do with the thoughts that you've been getting about committing suicide. It could be whatever giant that you might have in your life that you know it's whispers from the devil that's trying to deviate you from the plans of God. I want you to come forward in faith, in the name of Jesus. And as we're led in this song, we know that God is our champion. And God's never lost a battle. And you're aligning yourself with him, wanting to see this victory as well. Some of us here, we are addicted to drugs. Some of us might be addicted to alcohol. Some of us might be addicted to pornography. Some of us might be addicted to so many different things that you know is trying to tear your life apart. You can either sit back and pretend it's not going to affect you. You can sit back and pretend that it's not a battle. You can sit back and pretend that it's not going to affect you at all. But that is one of the biggest lies that you could ever believe in your life. If you don't knock down the giants that are facing you today, one day that giant is going to knock you down and take your life. But God wants to give you the victory. So come forward. And in faith, in the name of Jesus, there's going to be giants falling left and right here this morning throughout this service. So even now, with every head bowed, I want you to whisper under your breath, in the name of Jesus, I command, and you're going to fill in the blank, the giant that you're facing, I command it to fall. You will declare it in the name of Jesus. So right now, wherever you are, say, in the name of Jesus, I command, fill in the blank, to fall. You do that right now. Do it right now. Father God, we're here gathered as your children. And giants are falling left and right. 
and the giants are falling because of the power in your name, God. And God, right now, this moment, as we raise our hands and surrender, God, once again, we declare that there's nothing more than we want than to live for you our entire life. We surrender our dreams, our goal, our schooling, our agenda, our workplace, our free time, everything, our materials, our money, our possessions, our homes, our friendships, even our enemies, anyone that's in our life, God. We surrender everything to you, God. God, we want to be aligned, aligned to your will and your will alone, God. Guide us, speak to us, make us sensitive to your voice more than ever before, God. Direct us, knock down anything that needs to be knocked down. Change whatever needs to be changed. Transform our hearts from the inside out. God, knock down the strongholds, the mindsets that don't belong. Make us more like you every single day, God, that as we declare war and draw the line on the sand, God, that we wouldn't look back, but know that we're walking in victory, God, following you, God. So God, even now, God, we just ask you that you would pour your presence upon everyone that's here, God. God, as we surrender, God, as we let go, God, those empty areas within us, saturate us with your presence more than ever before, God. So even now, we soak in what you have for us, Lord God. So God, we give you this day, and we ask you that you would seal what you've done in the name of Jesus, and that you would continue to whisper to us throughout this day, and help us never forget that there's power in the name of Jesus and that we could live in victory with you, God. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said amen, amen. God bless you. Give someone a big hug before you leave, but give someone a hug that you don't know. We're a big family here in this church. God bless you.